Welcome back to Yang Daily. I'll be your host, Alex Cheney, bringing you all the Yang news you need to live your life right. This one ended up being just three items today, and pretty much none of them were really intended to be long, but you know how I am. Sometimes I have trouble shutting my yap. Apologies to those who enjoy a more rapid-fire style. I'll do my best to get back to that in the next episode. Hanky promise. Quick shout out to our tier 3 patrons, Shay Meehan and Nathan Stankowski, as well as all our other patrons. You keep us all informed and engaged. If any of you out there want to join these advocates of humanity first and independent journalism, head on over to patreon.com slash yangdaily. It would only take a couple of bucks a month from each listener to keep this podcast and community going and growing into the future. Now on to the news. Let's catch up with a couple of old friends from the 2020 presidential race, shall we? Our old pals Klobuchar and Buttigieg. First up, Klobuchar has been leading the effort of a Democratic caucus to get a democracy bill pushed through before the Senate goes off on vacation yet again. There's only two days left before gerrymandering begins, which will last a decade and could hand the GOP control of the House, pretty much killing hopes for any significant legislation for the next two years. The caucus has been stripping elements out of the For the People Act in an attempt to win Manchin and Cinema's approval. During a recent conference call, Klobuchar indicated that the bill will include gerrymandering reform and automatic voter registration, among other measures, but it depends who you ask, apparently. Manchin said, quote, We've all agreed, I think, to come down to the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, end quote. The Lewis bill is mostly about restoring the pre-clearance measure of the Voting Rights Act. That's the requirement for courts to pre-approve bills that would change election laws before they go into effect. It's designed to prevent states from doing exactly what the GOP have been doing, passing unconstitutional election laws in rapid succession so that they are in effect for some months or years before the courts strike them down. This was the enforcement part of the Voting Rights Act that was stripped from it by the Supreme Court on the ludicrous grounds that it's unnecessary because it worked to block such laws. Yes, our Supreme Court justices are just like your grandma who stops taking her pills because they're working. Immediately after that decision, voter suppression bills, of course, resumed. As such, the Lewis bill is very important, but it's got nothing to do with the For the People Act, gerrymandering, or automatic voter registration, so it's not clear to me that Manchin and Klobuchar are on the same page. Manchin not on the same page as Democrats? Shocking, I know. Personally, I really wish they'd stop bundling all this crap and just do each measure as its own bill. Pass an anti-gerrymandering bill. People need to see, straight up, whether the GOP will vote for that or not. Pass a public campaign finance bill. We need to know where people stand on that, too. All of these measures need to be broken up so our legislators are held to account for where they stand on each one, instead of just rejecting a giant package by saying that they oppose one item in it. Also, none of the negotiating right now really matters because I'm fairly certain whatever bill they come up with won't pass no matter how much they trim it down. With the exception of a few members on a few items, the GOP has already made it clear with the January 6th commission and all other legislation that they have no intention of voting with Democrats no matter how much they agree with the provisions in the bill, unless it's more defense spending, everybody's for that. It's just not about policy, it's about tribal politics. Blocking Democrats is the party's platform. And without 10 GOP votes, and without reforming the filibuster, which Manchin and Cinema still refuse to do, all of this is wasted effort. Manchin, Cinema, and the GOP are going to watch democracy die for their own short-term benefit or delusion. As for old Pete, he 
he is back to his plastic Pete ways. The Biden administration held an event to celebrate new electric vehicle ambitions for GM and Ford the other day, if they can be called ambitions. Curiously, they didn't invite America and the world's leading EV manufacturer, Tesla. Biden's press secretary basically said it's because this was more or less union pandering and Tesla is not unionized. But Buttigieg managed to come off much worse in his CNN interview. He was asked multiple times why Tesla wasn't invited, and he first said he wasn't aware that they hadn't been. Secretary of Transportation, I might remind you. And then he outright ignored all further questions regarding Tesla, pretending that they don't exist. Classic Pete. GM and Ford's lofty goals, by the way, were to try to reach 40-50% to 50 somewhat electric car sales by 2030. They are including hybrids in that, not just all electric, which already means it's nearly meaningless because anything with an electric motor and battery would count. Hybrids can be decent if they have a respectable battery range, but they're often not. Many have very short range, many switch to the gas engine for stuff like going up hills, and many users don't bother to charge the battery very often all of which leads to hybrids being only slightly better on average in emissions than gas cars, as we discussed with the recent emissions report. So this 40 to 50% is crap. Even if it were pure EVs, that's still a low goal for 2030, a time when multiple nations and states will have banned the sale of gas cars entirely. But the kicker is they couldn't even commit to that. They could only say they would try. These companies are hopeless. Anyway, it's quite a confluence of interests. We have the government out here running bullcrap PR for two horribly backward companies that have dragged their heels as much as humanly possible on innovation, particularly in regards to electric vehicles, because unions are an important voting bloc. Furthermore, the government is pandering to the United Auto Workers Union, which has also been opposing the transition to electric vehicles, because EVs are simpler to manufacture, requiring less labor, so the union opposes this vital progress because it threatens jobs. And the union itself only exists because we rely on jobs for survival income, creating the exploitation of poverty and wage slavery. This is an example of the complicated downstream benefits we would see from a UBI. If all these workers had independent survival income, they wouldn't be opposing innovation out of desperation to protect their jobs. The union may or may not even exist because it's really just a subpar stand-in for the independent bargaining power that UBI would provide, and the government wouldn't be propping up stagnant, polluting companies. The companies themselves might even be more innovative because they'd have a tougher time finding workers in a free labor market, where people could afford to refuse to work at bad companies. The whole chain derives from a fear of losing survival income, and it can be fixed by UBI. And people think UBI is just a bit of extra money. Finally, I ran across some impartial, totally rational reporting from America's Fair and Balanced News Channel and from The Federalist yesterday, in which the byline was, quote, leftists hate you and your baby, end quote. It was so blatantly ludicrous, I had to check it was real. Boy, is it. In the segment, the host lays out an argument that the left hates babies, and it was rational enough to warrant delivery by the aliens guy from the History Channel. This is what's being pushed daily by the most popular news channel on TV. Worse, they call it a news channel, and against all reason, many viewers believe that to be true. 
And it's not just Fox, though they are among the worst offenders. The vast majority of national news programs, whether mainstream or otherwise, corporate or independent, are pushing similar partisan tribalism, and it's hard to adequately grasp the depth of damage being done to humanity at large. Incidentally, Scott tweeted a funny Star Wars meme that reads something like this. Star Wars, the story of an orphan boy from a war-torn country who becomes radicalized after a military strike kills his family. In his grief, he is indoctrinated by a religious cult, joins a group of insurgent terrorists, and bombs a building, killing hundreds of thousands. The cult being the Jedi, the terrorists being the rebels, and the building being the Death Star, of course. You may be wondering why I'm reading a meme to you because this meme does a pretty good job of highlighting the importance of perspective. In the movies, we followed Luke's perspective, and everything he did seemed right and warranted. The Empire were evil oppressors, the rebels were freedom fighters, the Jedi were a noble tradition. Had we instead followed the perspective of a similar character from the Imperial Army, we may have seen things very differently, with the Empire representing order and safety, the rebels being terrorists, and the Jedi being a deranged cult. You can bet that's what Imperial News Media were telling voters in the Empire. Point being, perspective matters a lot. The narrative you're being fed can completely change your worldview. Right now, we have competing media trying to radicalize everyone to one side or the other, trying to demonize everyone on the other side, and spin everything that happens as proof of their side's righteousness. You could certainly make the argument that even I fall into this at times. I certainly lean toward the left on most things, though I feel that at this point in time, that's mostly because the Republican Party has left no room for rational people who believe in facts, science, and even traditional conservative values like democracy, the Constitution, fair market capitalism, maximizing autonomy, etc. Anyway, what I'm saying is don't fall for it. Be proactive, fact-check what you hear, Empirical facts are the foundation of truth, and no, empirical does not mean what you hear from the Empire. It means derived from observation and experimentally provable, the basis of science. Also, and this one's harder, instead of assuming ill intent, assume people are doing what they're doing for the best possible reasons that you can square with their actions. If you can't see any good reasons for what they're doing, look for them from the people doing the things. They always have their reasons, and they think the reasons are good, even if they're sometimes diluted. You'll learn a lot more that way versus diluting yourself by classifying people as good or evil. And you will have a lot more success changing minds and solving problems. That's my experience, at least. The real world is far more gray than any of us like to believe. PSA over. And that'll do it for today's Hang Daily. Bookmark and share the perspective thread. Flood Congress with calls, tweets, faxes, and letters using the resist bot or income movement's easy contacts below. If you need help, consult Humanity Forward, the Income Movement Aid Database, the Mission Asset Fund, or United Way. And don't forget to Yang Daily.